0: No one
1: Rising. I can hear the sound of our enemies they're running. And I can hear the sound of rejoicing
0: in Zion. The King is coming. The King is here. And I can hear the sound of revival stirring. I can hear the sound of our hearts burning. I can hear the sound of salvation rising. The King is coming. The King is here when you speak. The mountain Just cry out, there's no one in heaven like you. nations cry out there's no one
1: We honor you in this place. We honor you. Yes, Lord. Have you. go lord where we've never been before god we're not satisfied just to do what we've always done lord we want to see you lord we want to see you in our midst in our glory lord in your glory god and all of your glory god come lord and we pray this morning lord that our worship and our praises would rise like incense to your throne lord as I was singing this song the Lord gave me around the house this week, Lord, I just, I kept seeing the bowls just filling up, the bowls just filling up in your presence, Lord. And we come before you, Lord. We come before you, God. Oh, Let our worship rise. Like just singing it all together. And it's easy, easy words. We're just going to sing holy, holy, holy. <laughs> We're going to sing it all together with one voice in the bridge. Yes, Lord.
2: Let me tell you just a couple things. I, I don't know how to do all this stuff. This is a new thing. I just, but I am want to share with you the faithfulness of God, five little quick things. First of all, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 through 10 or so, remember, you, you won't, we won't read that just to save time, but it says, at that time I was dead in trespasses and sin." You know, and then, but he made us alive together in Christ, seated with him in heavenly places. And then it goes down to verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves, lest anyone should boast because it is a gift of God. Right? Remember that? And Bobby Connor always said, everybody preaches on verse 8, but nobody preaches on verse 10. I've always preached on verse 10. I've always remembered verse 10. That says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them and that's where all of us are God is a great planner he's a preparer not only is he preparing a place for us he's prepared works that all of us should walk in them now the choice will be with us remember I shared last week this is not a guarantee as they say down in Louisiana it's an opportunity and the, but the guarantee comes when we say yes to him. And I've always heard people say that, you know, you say, well, you know the Lord. And they'll say, well, I've known him all my life. Well, maybe, I'm, I'm not saying God can't do that, but for me, it wasn't that way. There was a moment in time where I recognized I needed God. I was a sinner. I remembered that, and he made it known, and I was convicted, and I was converted. How many of you can say that for yourself as well? I mean, all these people that say, well, I've always known him. You, may, you might want to make sure you know him because every, those in the Bible, they were convicted of their sin. And as a 9-year-old boy, I remember walking out. Somebody was sharing. I was at a, some kind of a youth camp and a children's camp, and I wanted to know about this God. And I went out, and I remember there was a pine tree. And, uh, they, you know, you're not supposed to stare into the sun, but I remember bowing down by that pine tree and staring up, in the sun obviously i didn't do it very long because you'd go blind but i looked up i knew who i was looking for not the son but the son of god and i just simply said something like lord jesus come into my life save me i'm a sinner help me i give my life to you how many of you did that how many of you found him to be faithful man he's been faithful so i'm going to jump to the calling 19 years old that christmas i asked my mom and dad for a preacher's bible but i got to back up a little bit. Now, I don't know what kids do this, but when I was a little kid, I would crawl under the house, and we'd play under the house. Anybody else do that? I also played in uh, sewages and things, and I won't tell them about I went places. I'm glad I, my kids never went. I hope they never did anyway. But anyway, we'd go into the house. I remember the day preaching to my puppy, my, my little puppy, and he was a cap, captive audience there. And I know that day when I preached to my puppy, he raised his paw and gave his life to Jesus. I remember that. And, uh, and anyway, and I remember. And then we would, you know, go on these trips. And um, now kids don't do this anymore, but we, we played church one day in the back of the bus. And I remember we got in the back of the bus and wherever we were going, and, and uh, I wanted to be the preacher. So I rolled up, you know, a Bible like a preacher would, you know, and, I don't know what I said to those kids. I probably something like "Repent, you sinners!" You know, something like that. I don't know <laughs> what it is, but they probably they thought I was a little bit bizarre that day. But they might have repented and got saved. Maybe we get to heaven. You remember that day, but but anyway, I remember I um, went out in Richcrest, North Carolina. I never knew that I would actually live in North Carolina, but uh, there was a day when I I knelt down again and. I said, Lord, I I give my life to you. There was a preacher preaching from Statesville that night, and I knelt down. I put uh, candles in the ground, and I brought my Bible and laid it out. And I don't remember the Scripture, but I said, Lord, I'll serve you. I'm going to preach the gospel. I give my life to you to serve you the rest of my life. And and, uh, not that I live like an angel after that. How many of you know after you surrender to God, the devil show up? And they tried to divert you and distort everything and wreck you. And so I went through some of that stuff, too. But God was faithful because he heard that commitment. And uh, this is something that I'm always amazed at. Since that day in, at Rich Crest, uh, so many years ago, I'm not going to tell you how many. Because, see, I started this journey at 5, you know, no, 10, 15, higher. It's a little bit higher. But uh, every time I've gone back to Rich Crest, Now, they've changed Ridgecrest. They built a big lodge there now. And you can go in that lodge and it overlooks that area where I walked down. Nobody knows where it is, but I know where it is. Where I walked off the road and got into the woods and prayed that night and knelt down and surrendered to the ministry. But I've probably been back to Ridgecrest maybe 30, 40, I don't know how many times. Every single time, I never request a room. I mean, there are two sides to that lodge. Every single time they put me in a room facing the spot where I knelt down that night as a 19-year-old boy. Every, it never fails. I'm always wonder. I, even go, I was there just a few months ago, and I always think, now, maybe this time they'll put me on the other side, but they always put me right inside just to remind me. When they do put me on the other side, that's when I'm going to think, Rocky, it's time to hang it up. That's it, man. I mean, it's time to retire and pass this baton on, but... But then one more thing, another milestone is meeting Shirley. Now, I've shared with you guys, I was single for a long time. I mean, we didn't get married until our 30s. And I, I used to really, I was a single pastor in West Virginia. And to me, it was cruel to send somebody to be a pastor in a foreign land, a Louisiana boy, West Virginia, without a wife. But I'd already surrendered that part. One time the Lord said, you want your choice or my choice? And I said, God, your choice. And to get his choice, you got to wait. Let me if you know, you got to wait. You can have your choice in life. I wanted God's choice. One time I got so mad because I would read the scripture. He that finds a wife has found a good thing and has obtained favor from the Lord. And he will withhold no good thing from those who put their trust in him. You know that scripture? I was reading that one night, and I said, God... Anyway, I got so mad, I picked my Bible up and threw it at God. Now, I missed him by a mile. (laughs) You know, I really did, but I got mad. I said, God, I'm a a single pastor. This is killing me, and it was. But I got to back up a little bit earlier. I was living in Waco, Texas, and I moved there, and I thought, now hey, this is great, a single guy moving to Waco. Do you know what is in Waco? Baylor University. Beautiful girls. And I mean, for, a you know, 20s, I thought, this is it, man. I'm going to meet my wife at Baylor. And so I had a lot of expectancy. And, I, you know, in those days, we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And I was there. I was an evangelist I'd travel about, and I'd go to church. It was a spirit-filled Baptist church. I'd never heard praise and worship like that in my life. I always was used to singing just as I am and just as you were and stuff like that, you know. But they worshiped in that church and I would I loved going there. And it was God doing something in me. And but one night I was I got out of the car and the the Lord spoke to me and said, Do not date the college girls. I immediately thought that was the devil. I said, I rebuked that <laughs> thought. Get thee behind me, Satan. I that's, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. That can't be the voice of God. That had to be me or the devil. And, uh, but it was God because I tried to date girls, and it never worked out. I had a date one. I got to tell you this. <laughs> I, just, I met this girl. Her name was Emily. And I thought, man, this, girl's, this is she's gorgeous. Anyway, I asked her out, and she said, sure, So anyway, you know, I saw her in church. So we were going to go out Sunday night. She calls me Sunday afternoon. She says, David, I cannot go out with you. I said, "What, what do you mean? She said, God told me not to go out with you. I said, you're kidding me. And I was trying to be cool on the phone, you know, and rejected and all. But anyway, I got mad at God. I said, God, who do you think you are? You know, what do you think you are, God? You know, I mean, this is and i thought he was really messed up and i was really mad but then that scripture i I mean i know it now by heart but remember jeremiah 29 i know the plans he had me turn to that i know the plans i have for you plans of good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope and uh, so I, i made it through that but anyway made it to west virginia and i always believed that god would bring the woman to the man it says that in genesis And in West Virginia, there were no girls. This was not Baylor University. This is uh, Philippi, there was not much in Philippi. There was a covered bridge, but then it burned down. And that's a whole story in itself. Shirley was there by the bridge when it burned down. And I was in Waco at a conference, or Dallas, or Fort Worth, Texas, anyway. I don't want to get ahead, but one Sunday, God brought Shirley to my church. Now, I'd already gotten out of it. We, we dropped the Baptist tag, and especially the silent grove. It was, we just caught ourselves, I don't know what we caught ourselves. People thought we were ridiculous. But we were loud, and we had a lot of fun, and we were on television. But anyway, I, I dropped going back and meeting people at the door. Because, you know, I never like that. People tell you how good it is. And then when we go out the parking lot, they tell their spouse how rotten it was. You know, just, you know, anyway, we won't go there. But I don't like all that stuff. But anyway, that Sunday, I, I beat a path to the door. And I had the card. Here, Shirley, uh, I'm the pastor. Would you sign here? Give me your tweet address, your email, your, your, your text. We didn't even tweet. We didn't have any of that stuff. We didn't have cell phones. I don't know how we survived. But anyway, I made it. I got every little bit of information I could get. And how, how many months ago after that we were married? Five months. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to wait. I've been waiting forever. When she came, it was time to get married. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not going to fool around. That's ridiculous. So anyway, but Shirley's been the joy of my life. And I can tell you, without any shadow of a doubt, God does put men and women together. You know that. Yes. And uh, I'm, all, I'm blown away to this day of how God brought Shirley into my life. And to me, it is the greatest, I guess because I prayed so many prayers, you know, for that for so many years, that I'm just so grateful to God and how he does things like that. And she really is just such a blessing. Then I'm going to skip to meeting Rick. How did this happen with Morningstar? You guys will like this. We were pastor there in West Virginia. And uh, I heard there was going to be a conference in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And this man by the name of Rick Joyner, I read a pamphlet called The Harvest. How many of you remember that? It went out all over America, The Harvest. And that just, man, it struck something inside of me, The Harvest. This harvest, I want to be a part of this. So anyway, I go to Gettysburg, and Rick speaks. And I felt impressed to go up and introduce myself, and I did. I went up and said, hey, I'm David White. And, and I said, Rick, I'm going to call you one day. Now, those of you that know Rick, he's a man of few words after he speaks. And he just looked at me like I was b- bizarre. What do you mean, call me one day? But, and I felt stupid. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I left, and I thought that was the stupidest thing you could say to somebody. What do you mean you're going to call him one day? Well, not only did I call him one day, I became his ministry assistant a few years. I was a process there. But it just reminds me how God has divine connections. You'll never know the person you meet what impact they will have in your life. And uh, that was a game changer. You know, Gettysburg was the, was the bloodiest battle right in the civil war but it was the the game changer from that point and before that the south was winning remember and then after Gettysburg the north was winning is that the way it was pretty much so but it was a game changer and I just want to encourage you man connect with people stay in touch with people these folks that are lone rangers I'm telling you they're going to have a hard time accomplishing the purposes of God we need one another what if I'd have stayed home that day? And, uh, in fact, I remember before that, I mean, I'm just touching the surface. But years before that, I was attending a, a, a pastor's meeting at Wheaton College. In fact, I went to school at Wheaton one summer. And that's uh, where Billy Graham, you know, graduated and all that. He met Ruth Graham. And, and, uh, but I, uh, Stephen Oford was speaking. And Stephen Oford told us that day, because we were wondering, is Billy Graham filled with the Spirit? You remember, people have asked that, and he told us. He said, there's something I know about Billy most people don't know, but Billy won't tell you because he's staying true to his calling. But he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He, this man encountered the power of the Spirit in a major, major way. But I, as he was sharing that story, Stephen Oford gave me a word. He said, son, and I didn't even know what, these, what words were at that point. I knew God had written a book, but I didn't know he could speak today. But he, Stephen Offord said, son, one day you're going to have your ministry through another man's. And it came to pass. And the Bible says, unless you're faithful to another man's, he'll never give you what you're on. And I, I serve Rick. Some of you don't know. There were two times the ministry got in trouble financially. Now, the first time they, they just said, hey, we can't pay you. So I just kept working. The second time I volunteered. I went to Shirley and I said, hey, Listen. The ministry's having some financial problems. I know we don't have any money as it is. Let's just give up our salary. And I said, great. So we went, I went to Rick. I said, hey, Rick, I, I'm going to work. I'm going to keep working, but I give up my salary. I give it up. And then he said, okay. And I went, oh, no, what happened, man? No, I, <laughs> I Why did you say that? No, no, you know what I'm talking about. But God was faithful. And he puts us together. And the last thing, how did I get here? Bob Jones showed up in a dream. Now he's buried on this property. but I was not, I mean, I had pastored in Mississippi, and uh, we saw a great move of God, and we'd all these things, West Virginia, and I was in different places. I was really content, you know, just writing that discipleship material, being a baseball coach, and that was ordained of God that I could travel with my son all those years and enjoyed being his coach and and it was a great, great time. And I did. I, I didn't want to be a pastor. There were a couple times, Deborah, that uh, the thought crossed my mind that you will pastor here one day. And every time I rebuked it. I just said, I just, I didn't, even, I didn't even give it the time of day. And then Bob Jones showed up at the foot of my bed in my dream, and he stuck his arm at me and he said, "Arise." And I rose up. And in the dream, and right after that, Rick came to me, and asked us to to uh, consider pastoring, and that's how it happened. And I'm, you know, there's so much more. We should, we should tell people our story. Amen. It's our testimony of the greatness of God and the faithfulness of God. And, and you young people, I, I just want to tell you, whatever you commit to him, he's able to keep against that day. God will finish what he started as long as you're keeping your eyes set on him. And there'll be times, I, I mean, you You'll stumble and fall. The righteous stumble and fall seven times, but they—but I'm telling you, 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 God, you'll find how faithful He is, and He is so faithful. But the time is drawing short, and if there's ever been a time to surrender to Him, it's today. It's right now, and I just want to speak that over you. That word, Ephesians chapter two, verse ten. Just say, "I "I am His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus." For good works, For good works. Which, God him, which God prepared before him, that I should walk in them. Walk in How many of you believe it? Amen. Now listen, these works have got to come to pass. Amen. It is time that everybody walk in their calling. Yes. The retreat is over. Yeah. Wow. Amen. It's game time. Now I know we're going to take a little sabbatical to get ready. Getting ready, I'm telling you, they are going to come here from all over the earth. And after meeting this group of people that I'll tell you about next week, it, I am amazed what God is doing today. Getting ready for the greatest move of God America's ever known. And that's, that's what I'm living for. And we're all a part of it. So can I just speak that over you and bless you? And, and do we, hey, the food's not cold. What is that, Shirley? Shirley? She, she's telling me something. When, she, when my wife speaks, I listen. What are you saying? Oh, yes. I didn't, I didn't forget that. Yeah. I want to pray this over you guys. And then, uh, Lord, we just thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, right now I pray, God, for everyone in this room that the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon them afresh and they would, Lord, encounter you this day to be about the works that you have called them to do. Lord, I thank you that you're going to be magnified in this hour through simple people that do great works because of the greatness of our God. And I thank you, Father, for that. And I just ask you to fill each one in this room with a measure of faith to rise up and do the will of God Amen. in the name of Jesus. But I want to just one more thing. If you've never known Jesus before, you say, I don't know that I know this God that you were, you were talking about. You can know him today. And you, because the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Yes. Saved. With the heart you, can, you believe, with the mouth you confess. If God, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I just want to pray a prayer. If right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, maybe you're watching by web stream and, um, and God's spoken to you, you say, I want to make sure in this hour that I'm saved, that I'm going to heaven. You know, you don't want to be one of those that says, I, I, all my life I've known God. There has to be that point of conviction and conversion and where you said yes to him and surrendered to him. And so right now, just let's all pray out loud, but if you want to know him, you pray it in your heart as well. Just say, dear God, I believe in you, and I believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he died and that he rose from the dead, and I'm a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me, wash me and cleanse me. I put my trust in your death and in your resurrection, and I receive you as my Lord from this day forward. I will follow you. So thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Because your word says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I am saved. And I'm going to heaven. And Now, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of heaven. And use me for your purposes. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for letting me share that story. Is that it, Shirley? Amen. I think we get to eat. And uh, so God bless you guys. Thank you for this. This is real special. Really, you know what it did? It gave me a chance to go back and look at this little journey. And it really was a blessing. But you're on your journey. Go and sin no more. Amen. God bless you guys.